So let's talk about, uh, I, I've been thinking about, I've, as I said, I've had a very, very challenging week. I've had a very frustrating week. Um, probably the most challenging week I've had in a really, really long time with just a bunch of crazy stuff going on. Um, I, I really don't, you know, believe in blaming things on the devil and all that stuff. But boy, if ever there was a time to do that with the resistance and just crazy stuff going on in my life this last week, uh, this would be one of those times. <clears throat> and so, uh, I'm, and I know everybody's going through challenges with the whole COVID thing, right? With the pandemic. Uh, maybe some of you, your life hasn't changed much. I find that hard to believe. Uh, most of us have been impacted at some level financially, which, by the way, thank you, those of you that have continued to contribute or have started contributing to the Awakening Center with the donation button at the top. That has really, really, really been helpful. Uh, but I realize a, a lot of you are, you know, facing financial challenges. Some of you may be small business owners and you're not able to open up your small business. I understand the, the anger and the pain on all the different sides. And unfortunately, you're seeing the scapegoating mechanism play out perfectly. If you go back to my live video from Palm Sunday, I talked about the scapegoating mechanism and how how it works, how when you get frustrated and you get under pain, you get under tension, you want to find somebody to blame. And oftentimes, uh, then you just dualistically look at somebody as, oh, they're totally evil, they're totally to blame. And, uh, and we start attacking because we're trying to deal with our own emotional stuff and come into emotional equilibrium. And uh, and one of the things that's going on, at least, I, I don't know if it's increased. It could just be that my awareness of it, for some reason, has increased. But it feels to me like racial tensions in America are really increasing. Uh, small pockets, it's it's not the, the norm for sure. I don't know... That, that I can say that I know anybody who is truly racist in the sense of, you know, just full of hate. I mean, we all have subconscious prejudices. We all generalize people. Your brain generalizes. That's just what it does. Uh, and, and so there are things, you know, that can be worked out. But I'm talking about just outright blatant in your face, white supremacy, racism, KKK, uh, the gunning down of innocent, innocent uh, people of color. Uh, it's just, it's horrible. And uh, so anyway, we had to talk about that. I sat down with, uh, as I said at the beginning, with uh, Derek Day and Kyle Butler and Vanessa R. Brooks. And I, I thought it was a wonderful conversation. So hopefully I'll have that video up later on this afternoon and you guys can participate in that. But that's also part of the scapegoating mechanism when, when the pressures and the frustrations and everything gets there. Uh, my na my neighbor across the street this week, we, uh, we have a chocolate lab that's still a puppy, but he's gotten big enough, uh, that he's, he's hard to control. I mean, he's playful. He's hard to control. And, uh, my youngest son, Open the front door to try to come out. Uh, I was going outside with his brother and he was running a little bit behind. And so Josiah opens the door and tries to come out. And Angel, the chocolate lab, pushes uh, past him and starts chasing a rabbit, a wild rabbit. Those of you that were watching and don't know, we have wild rabbits. 
So he starts chasing this wild rabbit and goes across the street and ends up on my neighbor's lawn. And so all of us, my two boys, my eight-year-old, my nine-year-old, and my wife go out and we get Angel right away, actually, Josiah. I was proud of him. He grabbed hold of him and we got him on a leash. So we no sooner have him on a leash, but then our neighbor, who's a total recluse, keeps totally to himself, comes out brandishing a firearm and screaming at us expletives and F-words telling us that he is going to shoot our dog if it gets on his property again. Now, mind you, it's not being aggressive. It's playful. Uh, it's just on his lawn chasing a rabbit for maybe two minutes. And he comes out screaming the F word and obscenities with a gun, threatening to shoot uh, our dog. And so, you, you know, you think about that. What level of an asshole do you have to be to threaten a child's pet to kill a child's pet in front of the child uh so elijah my son not one to be messed with um stood up to him yelled some things back so then he starts yelling obscenities and f words at my son now granted he's an old man he's got a gun uh so i'm trying to disarm the situation i'm pushing um my getting my family back over across the street he starts uh hollering at me and challenging me to a fight and stuff so never wanted to back down um we didn't get in a fight never wanted to back down but i did kind of lose my shit and yelled some uh, expletives and stuff back at him and uh so anyway my point is people are under pressure and you know what they say about pressure it's going to bring out what is inside of you uh, for good or for bad, right? And uh, so my, my point is, when we get under this stress, we get under this pressure, our emotions build up, our negative emotions build up. And if we don't know what to do with those things, then we are going to have episodes like that. And eventually, we're going to see more and more violence. The, the, the riots that we see right now are going to become violent, they, 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 more violent. That's just the trajectory that we're on. That's just the nature of things. I saw a thing on Twitter uh, yesterday with a uh, news reporter who was covering a Trump rally, and uh, he's filming it live, and I could not believe the vile, vicious language, and uh, he had to have security guards around him uh, just because he was a news reporter. They were shouting fake news at him. They were using the F word and expletives. They were all up in his face. And he's simply there recording. He was a local anchor or a local, local reporter simply sitting there covering actually their rally and giving them uh, some press and some airtime. But the anger out there, the hostility out there is just absolutely scary. But again, it's the scapegoat mechanism at work. And uh, I, I talked about this Palm Sunday. We get under that emotional pressure. We have to find someone to blame. We have to find someone to vent our anger at. And the more powerless that we feel, the more angry we become, the more powerless that we feel, the more we vent that towards someone else. And so what actually happens is we end up devolving or descending rather than spiritually evolving or ascending. And so <clears throat> we have to evaluate ourselves and our situation 
and decide what what kind of person, how do we want to use this time? What kind of person do we want to become? See, we get stuck in these survival mechanisms and we we react emotionally and we think emotionally. And there's so much information out there right now that's manipulating people's emotions that is absolute propaganda. You know, one of the things that, that uh, Sigmund Freud discovered in working with the subconscious is the value of obscenities, the value of taboo, uh, the value of taboo language, the, val- the value of things that create intense shock or intense emotional reaction for the purpose of actually programming the subconscious with information. And so anything that creates shock opens a door to the subconscious, and the subconscious cannot think critically, and so they use associations. So here's how propaganda works. They will they will shock you by telling you all the evil, horrible things that are going on in the world to create a shock value, to get an emotional charge, to get a, oh, this is wrong, this needs to be fixed. And then they'll put pictures and names and people and string together do a massive cut and paste job to create associations. So it's just like walking into a liquor store and seeing um, a woman in a bikini, uh, you know, cardboard cutout, <laughs> cardboard, you know, perfect body, bikini next to a Budweiser or, you know, take your pick, Coors Light uh, stack or picture, uh, you know, the commercials that you see and it's designed because more men drink beer than women and so and men are going to be designed to naturally have some kind of a hormonal response when they because they're visually stimulated so they see this half naked woman with this you know what we call in our society perfect body and um and they're going to have that response then they're going to see course it's the same thing they're having an emotional response they're seeing that then they're seeing something else they're seeing the associations bam it gets into their subconscious and so a lot of this blaming, a lot of this stuff is actually there are forces. I don't know what their agenda is, but they are manipulating the masses by using um, stories that have lots of shock value, talking about things like sex trade and all this other stuff, and then creating associations with uh, Fauci, creating associations with Bill Gates, creating associations with whatever to literally program your subconscious to believe stuff and jump to conclusions for the purpose. One, I mean, one of the end results, I don't know if it's for this purpose, but one of the end results is, is it's going to generate an energy that is going to uh, feed this whole sort of mob mentality and this whole scapegoating mechanisms and everything else that we have uh, to feed the hostility and the division. And um, the longer this goes on, the more people suffer financially, the more the economy suffers, the more people get sick and die. Uh, I know there's people out there that say, you know, the coronavirus is no different than the flu. That's just absolutely not true. I mean, you can track, track the CDC uh, death rates uh, daily. You can go to the CDC and how many people died of the flu today, how many people died of COVID today. Um, people said, well, pe- more people die of the flu every year than die of COVID. Well, the flu had a head start. I mean, that's like keeping score in the first quarter, 
I mean, how do I say this? That, that's like, uh, let's take a basketball game. You've got one team on the, on the court for three quarters and you're letting them just shoot baskets and giving them the score. So you're giving them, you know, that much more time to score baskets. Then you bring the new team onto the court in the fourth quarter and they're catching up, but you still look at the score and say, well, see, this is the better team. It's the same kind of flawed logic, and I'm amazed. I'm saddened. I'm grieved at my fellow Americans who can't think, can't do any kind of higher-level thinking, and just become manipulated by people who absolutely know how to use propaganda, absolutely know how the subconscious mind works, and know how to fill it with junk and garbage to trigger the masses to work towards whatever their ends may be. Um, okay, that's not the purpose. That's not the purpose of my my life thing, and I'm not trying to upset people, but I am trying to educate people. And I'm telling you, I, I'm I predicted this was going to happen in on Palm Sunday, and we're beginning to see it happen. And we need to be awake, and we need to be aware. So let's come back to how do we go? But but see, all this all this stuff is tied into survival mechanisms. Uh, they, they, they prey upon your sense of powerlessness. They prey upon your outrage. They, they Really, they're preying upon your pain. And then we're developing a collective pain that people are profiting off of. People are profiting off of this stuff. People are making money. They are selling books. They're becoming famous. You know, Andy Warhol wasn't wrong. 15 minutes of fame sometimes. A person, uh, just because you have an education does not mean that you have integrity and does not mean that your information has been vetted or should be trusted. And I do stuff on YouTube, but I'm going to tell you right now, YouTube is not a good source of scientific information or even, uh, I mean, you know, people argue, well, there's more free speech. Yeah, more free speech allows for more misinformation, which means then if you want to be informed by the truth, then you need to do more to vet your side. If you're only listening to one side, if you're only hearing what you want to hear, then you are being manipulated by the powers that be. I'm just going to tell you that right now. You are being sucked into misinformation. And if you have resistance within yourself when you hear something that doesn't agree with you, and you can't with an open mind check out both sides, then uh, you need to ask yourself, what is that resistance about? What is that pushback about? Why are you being defensive? Why is that anger there? Why is that resistance there? And if you're not careful, you'll come up with the with the answers in the subconscious. Uh, well, it's because they are doing this and they are doing that. Well, how do you know for sure? Because if you're only looking at the one side, you don't know for sure. <laughs> if you weren't there, you don't know for sure. I mean, it, it, if this were happening in a community, if this were happening within the church, and people were going around accusing people of horrible crimes, of being horrible people, and doing horrible, horrible things, like Bill Gates is going to come up with the, the the vaccination and put nanotechnologies in you. And then they say, oh, but he said it. So, I'll be honest with you. I researched what he said they said. I went to their sources. I read the entire Reddit thing. He was answering a question that someone said, what would you do? And he brought up digital certificate. And people jumped to the conclusion that a digital certificate is something they're going to put in your body because they don't know what a digital certificate is. You have a digital certificate on your passport. Anybody that's ever traveled with a passport, when they scan your passport, 
something comes up in the computer. You're worried about them tracking you. you you've got a tracking device in your pocket that you're Facebooking on and YouTubing on or, or your computer all the time. Uh, sorry. Um, and then, you know, this whole thing with currency, people don't understand that in the gaming world, they use a different form of, of currency. And so some of the patents and stuff that Bill Gates has relates more to gaming and online stuff and not, uh, you know, one world currency. It, 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 you, you know absolutely nothing about Forex. Just go look up Forex, F-O-R-E-E-X, uh, and then tell me we're going to have one world currency. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like I said, it's been a rough week, but I just want to help educate you to help you understand. And I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but whoever's going to be watching this, that just because somebody says something, just because there's associations with something, just because someone makes a logical argument, just because somebody says, oh, I used to work for Vodafone. Well, hell, I know lots of people that used to work where I work that have nothing but sour grapes and, and, well, I don't know lots, but I know a few, and all you guys do too, that have nothing but sour grapes. And you know, as well as I do, that there are people that they don't care about the truth. They just want to put stuff out there, or they want their fame for 15 minutes. Or how do you even know he works for Vodafone, and how do you know it's the real guy? I mean, there's just too many holes and too many questions. But see, it's preying upon people's emotions. It's getting them worked up. It's getting them afraid. They're starting to use the Bible now, and 666, and the end times. Because you know what the truth is? We can't deal sometimes with the absolute randomness of life. We can't deal with the fact that there are evil people out there. There is sex trafficking out there. There is corruption in banking and 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 medicine and the media, the government, the church. Because human beings are not perfect. Because a lot of them are just motivated by selfish motives and are serving themselves. But it's random. Viruses are random. Let me tell you something. They say, well, you know, this virus was a. a weapon bioweapon manufactured let me just say something if this is a bioweapon i don't fear those people at all i don't fear them at all because they did a crummy job making a bioweapon because first off we're finding out that a lot of people who do get the coronavirus are completely asymptomatic they're spreading it but their immune system is doing an okay job fighting the thing off and the other thing that we know for sure is that most of the death rates are coming out of nursing homes and affecting people by age, particularly the older generations. So who makes a bioweapon that's going to kill off the weak and do almost nothing to the strong? I mean, that's just logic, right? So we have nothing to fear from those people if it was a bioweapon, which I don't believe for one second that it was. Um, but anyway, I'm not an expert for sure. Uh, but I've seen no proof, no credible proof at all that, that would indicate anything like that. All right. Off my rant with that. What kind of spiritual practices <laughs> can we use to manage this stuff? And what kind of spiritual practices can we use to go from surviving to thriving? Because we are in a crazy world. And so what what can we do on a practical level? that can bring about change in our lives. So let's talk about prayer and meditation, because those are two that people are pretty familiar with. So prayer, for most people, is 
talking to the guy in the sky. I, I don't know any other way to say it. And trying to convince this God that we think lives up there in the heavens, trying to convince this God that he should do something for humanity. He should do something on our behalf. Uh, now, let me ask you this question, and this gets into a lot of issues, but it, let's say that God is allowing all this craziness. God is allowing all this economic pain, financial pain, uh, people to get sick and die, people to be misinformed and misled, um, sex trafficking, hunger, uh, all this stuff. But somehow, or whatever's going on in your life, maybe you had a child that was that's sick. Maybe you're facing sickness yourself. Maybe you you had a dream job or a dream company, and because of what's going on, you're facing financial devastation. Take it on any level. And the idea of prayer is is that if we can, I don't know, pester God enough, say the right words, get the right magic words, get enough people to vote, that somehow this God who's able to fix all this stuff is suddenly going to say, oh, yeah, I really ought to do something about the coronavirus down there. Or, oh, yeah, I really ought to do something about... Uh, uh, Aaron's situation down there or oh I really need to help you know this heal this person with cancer um, think about it logically how does that work exactly how does that work <laughs> so I don't find much value in that and I'll be honest with you the vast majority of times that I have said prayers like that, I don't know that they've really been answered when there was a bad situation. I'm not against that. I still say prayers. I pray for my kids. I pray for their protection. I'm praying for my dog that he doesn't get out. And if he does, my crazy neighbor doesn't come out firing bullets all over the place. Um, and that, to a certain degree, does help me manage stuff. But... Is God sitting up there and saying then, because I forgot to pray one day, you know, let's say I pray for my children's protection every day, and then I forget one day because I got busy or whatever. I got a phone call in the morning during when I'm usually doing that. Who knows? Whatever, for some reason. And then my kid goes out that day and my kid gets hurt or my kid gets in danger. Is God going to be sitting there saying, well, you know, Aaron didn't pray today. Aaron didn't ask for protection for his kids today, so... Um, Guess I'm not going to do anything for him. Is, is that how that works? So I think that construct is about worthless. Um, sorry, uh, I'm not trying to take away something from you. I'm gonna. <laughs> I told you I had a I had a really challenging week, and so I'm just in kind of a crazy mood. So I don't know if we'll keep this or delete this or what. Uh, you guys will have to give me some feedback because I do want to uh, put some stuff out there that's helpful for you. Maybe shock and awe a little bit for some of you, maybe making some of you think, or maybe it just seems like I'm rambling. I'm not sure. But because um, I, I can't see the comments, if there are any. <laughs> uh, <coughs> so that kind of praying and stuff isn't <clears throat> very helpful. Now, I find meditation, any kind of meditation, to be very helpful. 
And I do believe that we can do things, I've been stressing this, that we can do things, that we have a tremendous amount of potential, uh, divine potential, tremendous amount of power inside of us. And that's, that's what I think a lot of this stuff is designed to do. A lot of this stuff that I'm talking about is designed to tap into our feelings of powerlessness. And when we feel powerless, we get stuck in survival mode. We're definitely not thriving. We think that everything's happening to us and there's nothing that we can do. And I, I, I honestly think the agenda, who, whoever's running it, is to, or if, if there is organization to it, I mean, anybody that thinks you can get tens of thousands of people together to work on a conspiracy has never been a boss, has never been a project manager with more than 10 people. Let me, I can tell you that for sure. <laughs> Just try getting 10 or 12 people to work together on a project, keep their mouths shut about it, whatever. And you're talking about massive global conspiracies. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, wow, you got a lot of faith in human nature and the goodness of human nature for people that are that selfish and wicked and evil to be able to come together and work together to accomplish that. I'm, I'm impressed. Um, but, <laughs> but anyways, um so what what happens then with all this stuff is it gives us false hope we're trusting someone else to do the job for us there's there's horrible stuff so i'm gonna pray to god in the sky and trust god in the sky to take care of it for me there's uh things that need to change issues like racial frictions that need to be addressed hatred that's being spread that needs to be addressed um Maybe a, a global problem like a new virus or new disease that needs to be worked on. And uh, lots of problems that need to be solved. That's, that's on a global, massive scale. What about in your personal life? What about problems that need to be solved in your personal life? You have the power and the potential to reshape. You and I have the power and the potential to reshape reality. To become a healing presence. To become a solution to use these challenges for our own personal growth and transformation and evolution. But you have to tap into your spiritual potentials. You have to realize that beneath the layers of your everyday patterned thinking is an eternal reservoir of spiritual potential and power to impact your life, to reshape your reality and to change your world. And that's where the work really lies. Anybody can be magical. I'm, I'm going to define magic this way. Magic is the, let's talk about magic, because magic will work, whereas prayer won't. And I know people get bent out of shape for me using the term magic, but let me define it for you. Magic is the ability to create change according to your will. The ability to create change in the world according to your will. Now, for those, you know, just because I'm saying I don't believe in that model of prayer, don't misunderstand me. I believe God is everywhere, including inside of you. I believe that God permeates source, creator, um, the divine, however you want to understand God, is the intelligence, is the consciousness that keeps uh, everything together and is in all of consciousness. The, the Gospel of John says, in the beginning was the word, and the word 
was God and the Word was with God. The Word, the mind of God, the consciousness of God. And everything came out of it. All things were made by Him, and without Him nothing was made that has been made. And in Him was life, and life was the light of men. So everything is permeated by this consciousness. Same thing with the Christ presence. In Colossians, the book of Colossians, I think it's chapter 3, it says Christ is in all, Christ is all, and Christ is in all. The first part of Colossians, it says Christ created all things and is sustaining and upholding all things. So if you're going to believe in a devil that's opposing God, then you've got to understand that Christ is in that devil sustaining and upholding him, at least according to the Pauline revelation from the book of Colossians. Christ is in you. In him are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, and he is in you. You are complete in him. Just read through the book of Colossians. You're seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus in the book of Ephesians. The Word became flesh, John 1.14, and our translations say, and dwelt among us, because they want to leave you detached. What it actually says in the Greek is, the Word became flesh and dwelt within us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. The only begotten of the Father is the Logos. The Logos begat everything else, created everything else, is sustaining everything else. And when we have this God in the sky mentality, what we're doing is we're saying that we are separate than that Logos, rather than the fact that we have consciousness means that we are Logos, means that we are intimately, the fact that we can think, the fact that we can perceive, the fact that we have free will and can make choices, the fact that we can concentrate, the fact that we have an imagination and a memory, the fact that we feel emotional pain, all of that is information. All of that is coming from source. You didn't, where did you, where do your thoughts come from? Try to stop them. <laughs> you think you're doing it? You think you're the voice in your head that's telling you all that stuff? Try, try, try changing it drastically. Or try to just make it quit. I mean, I can quit talking. See? That was easy, right? So if that voice that's up here is the same voice that's coming out of here, then just shut it off like that. But you know you can't. There's a constant flow, constant river of this stuff that's inside of us. All of that comes from source. All of that comes from the Logos. Yeah, so, so what I'm trying to say is that everything that you see has consciousness in it. Everything that you think is an aspect of divine consciousness. Even the crap, even the junk, even the hateful stuff is an expression of divine consciousness but I would say this, it's an expression of divine consciousness through distortion and illusion. It's just like you can take any neutral force, you can take any neutral force, anything that just is, electricity, and you can use it to light your house or you can electrocute yourself. You can use a fire to cook your food or you can use a fire to burn your house down. The fire is the same. The laws that govern the fire and govern the electricity are the same. It's the way that it's directed. It's the way that it's used. It's the way that it's harnessed or not harnessed. That makes the difference. It's kind of maybe not the best analogy, but I'm just trying to get it, get it over to us. Or, yeah, over to us because I'm trying to comprehend it as well. So here's my point. You, you can use the power of your mind, the power of your thinking, the power of your imagining, 
the power of your focus and concentration to manipulate, reshape, and shift reality. And oftentimes we're doing it without realizing it because the truth is you can't not do it. So whatever you're putting your energy into, you're putting an output that is being picked up and participating in and with the mind of God. There is no separation. There's only the illusion of separation. So then how can we use spiritual practices to develop this? Because here's the thing. Your surface level thinking and my surface level thinking, that voice that goes on in our head, the way we think about the world, a lot of it, in fact, almost all of it is programming. We are programmed by other people. We are programmed by family members, by cultures. Uh, even just me saying this probably is triggering some sense of powerlessness or hopelessness inside of you. That's not my goal. My goal is to get you to see that you are stuck in a mode of consciousness. And if you want to tap into Christ, if you want to tap into, if you want to evolve, if you want to become more enlightened, you're not attaining anything. You're not going to become anything other than what you already are. But what you already are is like a package that hasn't been opened yet. So there has to be a spiritual unfoldment. So let's come back to magic. Magic is the ability to make change according to your will. So let's look at it this way. It's the ability to make change in your environment according to your will. But you will never be able to work magic until you become a mage. Until you, until you use principles to fundamentally change who you are, you will not be able to consistently change your reality. Because it has to come from the inside out. You have to become a different person to experience a different reality. And that's where we struggle because we think we're static and we think we're stuck. We've been this way our whole life. We've thought this way our whole life. We have loyalty contracts in our hearts to the way we were raised. We have loyalty contracts in our heart to our churches. We have loyalty contracts in our heart to um, uh, the God in the sky, to uh, cultural values, whatever. And so if we start to change those things, subconsciously we can start to feel like we're being disloyal. I'm being disloyal to what my family taught me. I'm being disloyal to what my church taught me. I'm being disloyal to my country. I'm being disloyal to my race. I'm be what whatever it is. Uh you, you can have those things. I'm just I'm I'm not saying any of those things are bad or wrong or need to change. I'm just trying to raise your level of awareness that there are things that you that have been put inside you that keep you locked into a certain way of thinking and feeling and being. And that is surface level consciousness. And that stuff acts automatically. Your emotional programming acts automatically. When that guy I told you about earlier on in the video is yelling F-words at my wife and boys with his gun, um, I started yelling them back. Why? Because I have an emotional programming as a man <laughs> that says, you know, I'm not going to let you get away with that. I'm not going to let you talk to my family members that way. Did I have to respond that way? No. 
I could have responded a thousand different ways. Uh, I could have gotten my phone out and started videotaping like some people do. Uh, I could have just kept walking back into my house and ignored it. I could have done a million different things, but my emotions got triggered, so I responded in kind. Because we get, that's operating at that surface level. You understand what I'm saying? And so, one spiritual practice that can really, really help us is to examine ourselves, to observe ourselves from a cognitive position, taking a cognitive stance, a cognitive position in your mind of a dispassionate observer and witness, a passerby. I was talking to Aaron Abke. We did a video on some of this this week, but I was talking to Aaron Abke earlier. Some of you know Aaron. And in the week, and uh, I think it was Aaron. I've had too many conversations. Maybe it was, maybe maybe it was Derek. I can't remember. But somebody I talked to, some very wise person that I talked to, was talking about being a passerby. I'm sorry if I'm giving the wrong credit to the wrong person. Being a passerby at a accident. So somebody observes an accident, car crash, because the guy runs a stop sign and hits another person in the car, car spins around, and this third party gets out of the car, walks over to the guy who was, in, that ran the stop sign, doesn't know the person that got hit, doesn't know the lady, walks up, opens the door, and starts pounding on the guy and beating the heck out of him. <laughs> or, the person can just witness the accident and be a passerby. See the difference? So what I'm saying is that you take a cognitive position within yourself to observe your thought patterns, to observe your feelings, to go back, like for instance, with the situation that happened that I was telling you about. A spiritual practice would be for me to go back into that situation and observe the feelings, observe the anger, observe how ridiculous it is, observe the whole situation, what's going on inside of me, what am I thinking, what am I feeling, and just observing that to give myself what I call cognitive space to realize that all this stuff that's going on is just like a theater. It's like being in a movie theater. Um, to, to have the approach, it has no more bearing or effect or reality than just sitting there observing my mind like I would sit there and watch a movie. And then what happens is you realize how fluid that stuff is. See, we have a tendency to think that our way of thinking is set, that our way of believing is set, that our way of being is fixed, concrete. No, it's just an, a river of consciousness. We just keep it, like going down the same slide. Like, like imagine, you know, like a natural water slide in the middle of a river where you can go down and then the river's going on around you. What happens to us is we just keep getting up and going down the same slide 
once you realize that you're part of the whole river and that these thought patterns that are in your mind are just one of the slides, one of the tributaries, one of the streams, then all you have to do is let the current carry you somewhere else. It really is that simple. Give you another one. Try to go deep into your mind. <clears throat> Try to go deep into your mind. Try to observe your thoughts and feelings and then ask yourself what's underneath that. And then observe your thoughts and feeling that's, that's there and go underneath that. Then observe that thought and feeling and go underneath that. <clears throat> and keep doing that process. And if you keep doing that process, eventually you will get to a place of stillness. It is possible actually for people <clears throat> and meditators <clears throat> to get to a place of complete stillness where the mind is shut off. But it's not an easy task. And for us in our lives, it's not practical to try to put that on somebody. So just keep going deeper and deeper and deeper within your mind and thinking. What thought, or go backwards. What thought is behind that thought? What thought is behind that thought? If I go behind that thought, what thought do I find? If I go beyond that feeling, what do I find? And eventually, <laughs> you will begin to tap into this flow of the mind of God. I'm just trying to give you some practical things that you can do in meditation. Can you do positive affirmations and positive meditations? Absolutely, you can. Is it helpful? Absolutely, it's helpful. It's helpful to changing your pattern and your way of being. But <clears throat> make sure that you're not doing it from a judgmental aspect, from this aspect of, I have to change this because I'm not good enough. I have to change this because I'm not pleasing people enough. And if I don't please people, then this won't happen. If I don't please people, then nobody's going <clears> to <throat> listen to my stuff when I'm on Facebook Live. And if nobody listens to my stuff, I'm going to feel bad about myself because I upset somebody with the stuff that I said. And I do make part of my living still through uh, teaching. So if nobody likes my teaching... They're not going to listen to me. And if nobody listens, then there's financial outcomes attached to that. <clears throat> and so if I want to, and, 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 and if I don't have the finances, I may not be able to pay my bills. And if I can't pay my bills, they may uh, foreclose on my mortgage. And so all that stuff at a subconscious level is in me. So then when I'm talking, I'm making decisions in the moment, emotionally, oh, am I saying the right thing? Am I marketing it the right way? Oh, Aaron, you shouldn't have said that. You, you know this person thinks this way and this person thinks that way and they're going to be really offended and they're going to turn you off now. So I edit myself in a people-pleasing form because of this entire structure of reality of the chain effect of cause and effect that I have created within my head. Jesus did not live like that. Jesus said, <laughs> I and my father are one. Everything that my father has belongs to me. In John 13, it's amazing. It says uh, that Jesus knew where he came from, where he was going, and that the father had committed all things into his hands. And therefore... 
he took off his outer garment and he began to wash their feet. He began to serve them. And Peter got offended. You shouldn't be washing my feet. Like we think it's this beautiful act of love. We have foot washing services. That ain't at all what was going on up there. <laughs> they were in an honor culture. They were offended that the master, the rabbi, had taken the lowly role of uh, basically a slave to to wash their feet. They weren't moved by it. They weren't healed from it. They were offended. He was offending their cultural thinking. Yet he was able to do that because he knew where he was from. He knew where he was going. And he knew that the Father had put all things into his hands. So see, if we stay in that level of consciousness, then I am forever connected to abundance. And what if this is true? What if I can generate, get into a right flow of a stream of consciousness of abundance to believe that what I need will show up when I need it, that what I want will show up when I need it, and I don't have to have it before then. Try that. You know, try uh, not having the money in the bank two days before your mortgage payment is due. You get it? What's going to be going on in your mind? Oh, my God, you know, this is going to happen, then this is going to happen, then this is going to happen, then this is going to happen. Because, we've again, we've been taken captive in our beliefs about cause and effect. I do believe, I know people who have, I know there have been seasons in my life where I've done it better than others. Not other people, but other seasons. Uh, and I know other people that have done it longer and way better than me. Of just being in that flow of abundance, that consciousness of abundance where if they don't have it in the physical world, it does not move them mentally or emotionally. And because they're not moved mentally and emotionally, because they can stay in that river of abundance, thinking, then abundance just shows up for them. That's the kind of change I'm talking about, see? This, this work, this if you really want things to change, if you really want to unfold power, if you really want to be a healing presence, if you really want to operate in the supernatural, if you really want to be able to reshape and change your reality, I'm talking about the level of personal work on your own triggers, your own thinking, examining, stepping back from yourself, and examining the templates of your own thinking, like I just did with making a decision to want to please people. That was an entire template that I gave you that's governing one small decision uh, am I going to say that live or not? Am I going to commit to this word that's coming out of my mouth or not? Am I going to be committed enough to be authentic that I can get on Facebook Live after having a shitty week and, <laughs> and vent a little bit and be okay with that? Uh, yeah. Was that my purpose? Did I log on here to say... Um, Oh, I'm going to just vent to my friends on Facebook. No, you guys know me better than that. I don't want to waste your time. But I'm giving you a living example. I get to talking, and I have to make a decision. Am I authentic with who I am in the moment? Or do I edit all this because I might upset somebody, and do I say something else? If I hadn't worked on this entire schematic of how I thought I got my bills paid, I would be in so much bondage to 
worrying about every word that came out of my mouth and who I affected and who I impacted. Oh, did they get their feelings hurt? Oh, I better call them. And, oh, I better apologize. I better say and do this right. Does, does that make sense? So you have to look at that. You have to step back and as a passerby, as an observer, you have to watch that stuff play out. And then not judge it, not feel, oh my God, I think like, I, I, what a jerk. I can't believe I, I, you know, I got so triggered by that guy. I, I, I got sucked into his level of vibration. Oh my God, I must not, and here I am, I'm supposed to be a, some kind of spiritual teacher or something. And you see it? There's another pattern. That's actually another pattern of thinking to just look at. Uh, that is no more real than any other pattern of thinking. But I have to be able to examine and look at the structure and the patterns of my thinking and feeling. And then to become like that person that just believes abundance is going to show up, that is able to, uh, you know, on the way. I mean, I, I, I've heard some crazy stories from some people that I trust. I've had some crazy experiences. I don't even remember all of them. But needing money for something and heading out to pay for it and getting the money right then. Uh, but not being moved, not worrying, not not uh, going down that river. That requires real personal work and personal transformation. So being able to see it, being able to observe it, being able to observe the feelings that you're having inside of you, being able to observe the emotions, being able to observe the pain body without getting stuck in the story that goes along with that pain. Everybody's pain has a story to it. And mentally and emotionally, we make those associations and clips. But by stepping back, you can separate the story from the feeling and realize the pain is just neurological sensations that you're having in your body. All anger is, is some kind of neurological sensation that you are experiencing at a physical level. Every emotion is in your body. Every emotion. Every emotion is in your body. And if you quit thinking about it as anger and you start thinking about it as tension, you start thinking about it as tight muscles, you start thinking about it as an elevated heart rate, you start thinking about it as elevated breathing, you start thinking about it as blood rushing to various different centers of my body, uh, that's causing heat. Um, I'm wanting to speak to defend myself. So my blood is rushing all the way to my head and it feels like Tabasco sauce in my ears, but that's just the blood rushing up into my ears. And I allow myself to just feel and experience those sensations for what they actually are. Tense muscles, elevated heart rate, elevated breathing, blood coming up, energy building up inside of me to put me in the fight or flight. Now, the story is my neighbor came out brandishing his gun, threatening to kill my child, my two kids, pets, 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 who is completely harmless and friendly in front of my kids, then yelling obscenities and the F word at my nine-year-old son, because my nine-year-old son got triggered. See, my story then gets anchored into that emotion, but they're completely separate things. But if I keep replaying that, because I can feel it now, I start having the same chemical reactions, the same neurological reactions in my body. I can separate out the story and just deal with the neurological reactions if I learn to detach from stuff. 
and say, okay, I'm not going to tell myself that story anymore. Then I can deal with the emotional stuff. Then I can look at the structure of the story. Um, Do I want to keep telling myself that story? Not really. Is the story pleasant? No, not really. Um, So I take myself out as a character of the story by simply looking at my thinking. Then I can shift my state. Well, what kind of story do I want to tell? You know, Um, what kind of story do I want to write? I can start thinking about my future. What kind of story do I want to write? What kind of person do I want to be? Well, I can use it this way. I don't want to be the kind of person that gets drugged into a low vibration. I want to be able to respond to situations from a higher vibration. Okay, great. Let's look at how that happened. <laughs> what are So I have some core beliefs about cause and effect. I have some core beliefs about what it means to be a man. I have some core beliefs about uh, the, the, some deep values. I can start looking at those things and saying, are these serving me? How else might I think about these things? How else might I reshape my reality by reshaping my thinking and my believing so that I could respond, so that I can hold on to my values? I, I think I do. I do want to protect my family. I do want to protect my children. I don't want my kids to uh, not stand up for themselves by modeling uh, not standing up for them. You know, I mean, those things are important values to me. So I can hold on to the values and then say, well, what what else is around that? And how else might I play that out from a higher vibration? And I can go into the theater of my imagination and I can think of different ways to play it out. Not from this anger of, oh, I should have done this or, oh, I should have said that or I wished I would have done this. Not from a place of regret or condemnation. Oh, my God, I wasn't spiritual at all. I wished I would have handled it totally differently. That's the kind of work that it takes. And sometimes you got to get a coach. Sometimes you got to get a counselor. Sometimes you got to get a therapist. Sometimes you got to get somebody that can help you through the process. Because uh, some things, some wounds are, are deep. Some traumas are bad. Uh, and, well, all trauma is bad, but I mean, some are worse than others. Some can mess you up uh, and make it difficult for you to function. Um, so you may need to get some help. Uh, from somebody that knows what they're doing. You know, beware the naked person who offers you their shirt. Beware the person who can't pay their bills who tries to tell you financial advice. Uh, (laughs) Beware the person who doesn't have a medical degree who tries to tell you about the coronavirus. You get the point. Um, I mean, that's just foolish. Beware the naked person who offers you their shirt. All right, gang, I'm going to go back through when I can see the comments or read the comments. I'm sorry if I wasn't more interactive. I was rambling all over the place. Uh, I hope that there was something here that was valuable for you that you were able to take with you. <clears throat> I do want to encourage you to use this time to develop your own spiritual practices, to, to spend time meditating, spend time changing yourself from the inside, spend time looking at your thought structures and your belief structures. Spend time examining how you believe about cause and effect. Take a problem or a situation that you have feelings about. I mean, let's say some of the stuff that I said really triggered you. Uh, maybe maybe you, you totally disagree with me on some of the stuff that I said at the beginning. And you got upset. That resistance is coming from someplace inside of you. What is causing you to experience the resistance to someone else who has a different frame of mind from you? 
What is causing you to push away from someone who thinks differently than you? How is it a problem for you that I think the way that I think? What's causing that resistance? Just look at that and examine that. What's the thinking behind it? What's the emotion behind it? What's the physiological process behind it? Is it serving you? Is it helping you? Is it enhancing your life? Is it producing joy for you? Is it producing love? Feel the energy of that resistance. Is it an energy you want to operate out of? That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. So anyway, love you guys. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Um, those of you, I know this was a little bit different. Those of you that are watching later, thank you for taking the time to listen. Sorry if I if I wore you out with uh, my rambling. Uh, but again, I'll, I'll be back next week. As far as meeting publicly with the Awakening Center, we're going to follow the government guidelines and recommendations. Uh, and so we're just going to wait till the end of this month and see how things play out. Um, I, for one, have known lots of people, lots of people that have had COVID. It's not something I want to get. It's not something I want to bring home to my uh, son that has asthma. It's certainly not something I want to expose uh, anyone in our gatherings who may be vulnerable or immunocompromised. Even in New York, it's hitting kids neurologically uh, weeks after. I actually had a friend who had a young, healthy son who ended up in the hospital because of a neurological reaction uh, that came about later. So we want to be wise. We don't want to be foolish uh, in in what we do. Not everybody's at the place of faith that you are. I can hear somebody out there thinking, well, you know, we, we'll just, you know, rise above it in our vibration. Well, good for you. Your vibration may be higher than somebody else's. Uh, and so we want to be considerate of the bigger, the entire bigger picture. But we do want to get back together. So uh, right now they're trying, they're suggesting you limit it to services of 10 people or less. Uh, there's really no point in doing that. So we'll keep doing the live videos until something changes. The good news is the data that we've been looking at um, daily, the daily counts, the death rate, the people in the hospital, all that stuff, continues to trend down. Excuse me, continues to trend downwards in Colorado, even after opening stuff up. So I'm trusting and hoping it's going to continue that downward trend and that we'll be able to wisely and safely reopen our doors. Uh, as far as uh, the revelation thing coming up with Doug Wentz, I've got to go back and look uh, at what we decided in terms of uh, the days and times that we were going to be doing that. But I'll be getting that up on Facebook later. The conversation that I had with Derek Day and Kyle and Vanessa, I'll be getting that up later too. So anyway, uh, I can tell a bunch of you have already jumped off, and uh, I'm going to quit rambling. God bless you. Love all of you. Thank you, everyone who's contributed, everyone who took the time to listen to this. Thank you, and God bless you.